Hello, listeners. Before diving into today's episode, I wanted to share a few ways you can go deeper with the ideas I talk about in this podcast and support my work. The first is my book, The Pathless Path, which many of you have probably already heard about, but if you haven't purchased it already, I really think you'll love it. The second is The Pathless Path Community, which I just opened up as a one-time pay-what-feels-right access fee. And in that group, you can meet hundreds of other people from around the world on unconventional paths like me. Finally, I'm working on a second book tentatively called Good Work, which is going to explore my deeper relationship with work and how that led to a lot of the transformations in my life. You can follow along in my newsletter, Pathless, which you can also find a link to that in the show notes if you want to learn more about that. Without further ado, let's dive into the show. Welcome to the Boundless Podcast. I'm Paul Millard, and I created this podcast because I'm passionate about making sense of the future of work and having conversations with the innovators, creators, and thought leaders who are carving their path in today's fast-changing world. You can check out the podcast and more on BoundlessPod.com. Today, I'm talking with Jen Marilla who is a social travel influencer. What does that mean? That means she travels the world with purpose. She looks for ways that she can partner with social entrepreneurs and other organizations that are having an impact on people around the world. She has a pretty cool story. Um, She has dealt with some tragedy, losing her brother in her life. And we talked through how she dealt with that and how that led to her really building up the confidence to taking her leap. I really uh, appreciate her uh, openness and just sharing that story with us. She also brings up a really interesting thing that I've seen with a lot of entrepreneurs and freelancers is that they're redefining risk. Risk is not losing what they have, but instead shifts to having not tried. And I really think that's been an interesting frame that's emerged from a number of people I've talked to. I hope you enjoy the pod today. Thanks again for all your support. Uh, If you do have a second, feel free to share the podcast. I'd appreciate any reviews you'd leave on iTunes. And if you're enjoying the podcast, shoot me an email. Let me know what you like about it, what I can do to improve, who you want to hear me talk to. Enjoy the podcast today. Have a great day, guys podcast, Jen. Hi, how are you, Paul? I'm doing well. I am excited to talk to you today. So today I'm talking with Jen Marilla, who is an impact travel influencer. She quit her job early in her career to travel the world and has an incredible story about what drove her to do that and what is keeping her motivated to have an impact on the world. We'll dive into that story, but would love to just start with what are you up to now? Tell me about Nepal. Yeah, so I'm really excited. I'm actually running a campaign uh, for Nepal. I'm doing a trip to Mount Maru in Nepal, and I'm bringing clean water filters and shoes to children and communities in orphanages along this trek. I'm not actually climbing the the peak of Mount Maru because if you actually look at it, it's it's pretty dangerous, and I'm not trained for that. You need like two years of training, and yeah. I'm nowhere near that. <laughs> Um, so I'm just going to be doing the hike, uh, basically to like base camp, we'll call it. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. That happens at the end of April. Um, yeah, I'm just getting ready and, 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 uh, I'm preparing for that. And I currently have a, a fundraiser running to get my audience to donate some money so I can bring over some shoes and water filters. I love it. We'll definitely yeah. link up to that. Um, so want to step back and just dive into what drove all this, but it might be I'm interested to start just like where where your head was at when you started college, like how you were thinking about a career, a life you wanted to build. Where was your head when you were uh, starting out? Oh, man, that's such a good question. Um, you know, it's it's funny because I think I mean, so I, I came from I come I come from a Cuban background. My parents are Cuban immigrants. And so family is like very instilled in my in my upbringing. And my parents are entrepreneurs. So my whole life I've been surrounded by business owners, entrepreneurs, that mindset. So it's kind of always been there in like, you know, in that cloud. Um, 
that I never really wanted to work for a huge corporation. I wanted to start my own business, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't know when or how I was going to do that or if, if that's what I really wanted to do. Um, but I was always in that, you know, in that entrepreneurial mindset. And, um, my parents work really hard to put me, my brother, and my sister through school. And so, uh, my sister's a lawyer and I felt like, right. I was going to business school. I was going to do a bachelor's in marketing, um, that I needed to get like a corporate job right away and, you know, kind of do the check the boxes. Right. Um, and I was always kind of that person that had a structure to everything. Like, okay, this is what's going to (laughs) happen. Like after I, you know, work for three years, then I'll like, you know, go for an interview to do this and do that. Like very like step oriented. Um, and yeah, that was, that was my mindset. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, it's also because I felt like it was what we were told to do and I didn't know right. any better. Yeah, definitely, um, de- definitely resonates here. I mean, it's almost <laughs> easy to do that early in career, right? So if you are somewhat driven, there are certain paths. It's just yeah. that when those, uh, paths kind of run out, it's like, what do yeah. you do, do next? Exactly. No, it's, it's so true, but it's, it really is like just the easiest thing to do. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not like, you know, putting down anybody that's currently in that career. I mean, I think that's, I needed that at that point in my life. I right. needed to go into a corporate setting and, you know, we can get into that later. But, um, yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's the easy thing to do because it's just like, it's what's next. It's expected. So, but, um, so yeah. that, that led you to do more schooling. Uh, you did a master's in social entrepreneurship in London. What drove yes. you to go there and what were some of the things you um, learned about entrepreneurship there? Um, so I, because I, okay, so graduated from college, I started working at a marketing agency. Um, I was having a rough time, not really happy, didn't really, I enjoyed what I did. Uh, I love marketing. I love the business marketing of what I do. And I love human behavior. I felt like if I could have gone back to school, I would have studied more of human behavior and psychology. Um, because I love love to know why people do what they do. Um, it like, it fascinates me. The mystery of the world. (laughs) Right. No, it's so true. And so I, I went back to, I went to London because one, I wanted to like live abroad. I had studied abroad in college and I wanted to go back and, and I had an opportunity to go, um, and do a master's in social entrepreneurship. And ideally, like when I started it, I was like, I don't really know hundred percent what I'm getting myself into, but I really like this idea of running a, like a, a business. And if you know anything about social enterprises or B Corps or anything like that, um, basically it is a business that renovates, um, that generates revenue, but a percentage of the revenues go to a cause. Right. Um, and I really liked that mindset. It was very different. Um, and coming from such an old school background, like my father's a businessman, I've been surrounded by business people, like kind of shaping that was like, whoa, like this could be something really cool. And in the UK, it was very like, it was very prevalent. Like it was happening. Like there were organizations, there were businesses, like people were doing this already. Whereas in the US, it was more basic. Like people had just heard of what a social enterprise is. And like, it was almost like we were behind a little bit. Um, but yeah, I lived in London for about a year. Um, I did my thesis in that year in Brazil for three months and then I came back and I graduated and finished in London and graduated. Um, and I moved back to New York. Um, but yeah, and I started working, I tried to get a job at a tech startup, uh, was like social enterprise, but truth is that because it was so fairly new, there was no money in it. Right. And I had to start paying student loans and like put on my big girl pants. And I was like, damn it. Like, is this what adulting is all about? <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and so I, I did, I, I got a job at a marketing agency because that's what I had experience in. That's what I knew. Um, and it was a very good offer. Um, and so I started working at this agency and I worked there for about three years and I knew, I remember when I got the job and I signed the contract, I said to myself, like, this is not what I'm going to do forever but I really want to do this right now. Like, this is something I need. I need the discipline. I also really liked my boss. Right. Like I thought he was amazing. Yeah. I learned so much from I, he was the VP of the company and I was working directly under him. So I was literally shadowing everything he did, all his meetings, all his calls, all the emails. And I really got, um, a sense of like that world, um, on a much better level. Was, Um, was there ever a moment where, you thought about, okay, maybe I could do this or did you always know deep down, all right, there's, there's something else. I'm not sure what it is yet. That's a great question. So I actually, I took the job 
and when I took that job, I was like, right, I can do this. This is easy. And I did really well. Um, they, I mean, I was an account manager. I was working there for three years. I was making great money. I had the top clients. Like I did really, really well. And I knew that I could do it because it was easy. Um, but I knew that there was something better. Like, so the, the idea that my parents had for me, and I say my parents and, and by no means am I like making them seem like horrible humans or anything. They've always right. supported me and they've always pushed me to be the best that I can be. Even till today, they're so supportive of what I do. Um, but they came, you know, their idea was, okay, she's going to work at this marketing agency and then eventually she's going to own her own agency. And this is what's going to look like. Um, and it's going to be in an office in New York and I'm gonna have a company and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, yeah, that looked really pretty, but I felt like that was almost easy when it's not at all by right. no means that easy, but I felt like it was easy. Um, and when I got this job, I was like, wow, like, like I do really well at this. Like this is easy to me. Um, so I, I didn't, I knew that eventually I wanted to do my own thing, but I didn't know what and where, and by no means was any of it, was it even like remotely close to what I do today? <laughs> like that it right. wasn't even like a thought, like, you know, being an influencer and traveling the world for good, like that never actually, like it didn't. Yeah. It was like, that was like the, Oh yeah, that's not, that's not going to happen to me. That's like a dream, you know? Well, it's also when you talk about opening your own marketing thing and doing your own thing, I do think like setting up shop and doing something like that as a freelancer is relatively easy, as you say, but it's almost, the hard thing about it is probably that it's just someone else's path and you feel like you're checking a bunch of boxes. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that a hundred percent. It's also like you said, checking a bunch of boxes, but not really enjoying checking those boxes. Right. Like it's kind of like, okay, done. Like I did, this. this is what I'm supposed to do. Done. You know? Right. So when did that yeah. all run out for you? When did, uh, when did that, um, idea that maybe I need to make a leap start creeping in? Okay. So. I'll take you back in time again. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, um, like I said, you know, I've always grown up around entrepreneurs. Um, my parents are business owners. My sister, you know, she has her own practice and she's a lawyer. So it's always been in my mind, like that entrepreneurial mind state and all that stuff. So that was never like, this is like, that wasn't new. What was new was that, um, my senior year of college, uh, I, I had a younger brother and he passed away, uh, and he was at the wrong place at the wrong time literally from one moment to the next. Um, and he was killed in a very tragic way. And it destroyed my life and everything that I thought of life, um, or what I thought life was supposed to be. You know, he was 19 and he was my best friend. We were a year and a half apart. Um, I actually had spoken to him hours before he died. Um, and he was supposed to come into the city and, and he went out with friends. Um, and his death was simply at the wrong place at the wrong time. And when that happened, I really started to look at life very differently. You know, from that point on for five years after that, it's, it's actually, it'll be eight years in September, but wow. for, for five years after that, I was in a really bad place. Um, you know, battling depression, battling anxiety up, up and down this roller coaster of like emotions, uh, and dealing with just like, coming to terms with the fact that I've lost my brother and that my family was also very different. Like life was different. Um, and coming to terms with that and coping with that was something that was really, it's hard for anybody, but yeah, I mean, I was just in a, in a very different place and I began to look at the world and the people around me and my life in general, very differently because my brother passed away in such a dramatic and sudden way to me. I was like, what's the point of all this? Right. What's the purpose of all this? And granted, at the very beginning, these were signs of like deep depression because right. I would ask myself yeah. those things. Yeah. And then I wouldn't do anything about it. You know, I would go to sleep all day or I would go out and I would drink or, you know what I mean? And it was just a very, it was not a good place to be. I imagine New York might have been a pretty tough place to be. I mean, there's oh, yeah. <laughs> one, I don't know how much space you can get just to like reflect and process. And oh, yeah. then two, there's infinite distractions. Oh yeah. Well, that was another thing too, right? Cause when I think, I think the biggest thing and, and, and you know, one of my dreams, Paul, in, in the future of, of my career and, and life is to open up like a space where people can actually have um, a space to grieve, whether oh, it is, 
yeah, like whether it's like a house or like a, just a big empty space where like you can either cry or you can go and talk to people about how you're feeling or you can do yoga or you can like, I know this sounds really weird, but, <laughs> or you could even like, like there's a, there's a, it, I mean, everybody grieves differently and there's different levels of grief and there's a point of grief where you get really angry and you get angry at the person that's gone. You get angry at yourself. You get angry at the universe. Um, and it's like a raging anger. And I remember feeling like I just wanted to like throw plates. Like I just wanted to like break stuff yeah. um, because I was so mad. And I remember saying that to my therapist and she was like, well, just go buy plates and break them. And I looked at her, I was like, well, can I do that? And she's like, <laughs> yeah. And I looked at her and I was like, you know what? You're right. And I went to Ikea and I bought like $2 plates. I love it. And nobody was home and I was just in a, I was really bad. And I was hysterically crying and I just started throwing plates against the wall and screaming but it was the most invigorating and best feeling ever. Like I, I, I only broke like three plates, but, but for the most part, I was like, cause I was making a mess. I was like, right, this is too much of a mess. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? Like it actually felt really good. And, and I've spoken to so many people over the years it was sharing my story and everything who have gone through similarities of death and, and stuff like that. And they wish they had that. And I tell them like, wow. go, go break like who cares you can pick it up with yeah. a broom obviously make sure nobody's around so you don't hurt anybody um but yeah you know like let loose like sometimes that's all you really need like just a good screen you know so your retreat center down the road will have uh lots of oh plates. yeah for sure <laughs> lots of plates lots of, like, i like $1 this plates <laughs> we're just gonna throw it against the wall <laughs> I, I also think like we, we actually don't have the language and this could be the U.S. for enabling people just to step away, right? Yeah. Um, if somebody quits their job without a plan or a story, we call it failure, right? Yeah. Um, yes. we need to create like these mini sabbaticals so people can just like recover one from life and even sometimes two, just, um, the burnout from work. That's another thing too. Like it's not necessarily like, you know, I, I talk about being depressed and having anxiety and feeling lost and confused. And it, you know, that has a lot to do with the loss of my brother, but it also has a lot to do with just life in general. You know, I was a 22 year old girl, um, living and working in New York city, um, in a relation. No, it's definitely not easy, especially in this day and age, you know? Um, and I was questioning everything, everything. And I think so many people go through that and they don't know how to deal with it and they freak out. And so they, they actually turn to, you know, alcohol and drugs and, and those types of things. And I, you know, I'm not going to say I didn't do that right? because that would be a lie, but it's just, I think that it takes, you have to have that like self-awareness. And I'd love to, I'd love if there was a place or a space that I had at the time that I could have just been me, however that looked, you know, if it was like renting a room, you know, a four by four room for like, you know, with four walls for like an hour and just like sitting in the middle and crying, like that would have made me feel, you know, I, I lived in the city. I had a roommate. I couldn't, I couldn't cry. I right. felt guilty. Um, when I went home, I had to like put on this act because I didn't want to, I don't want my parents to see me, you know, depressed. The same thing with my sister. Like, and so we're just not, we don't know how to let go. And another thing too is our society doesn't know how to talk about death. Right. Um, people are very like, oh my God, that's terrible. And then book closes. Right. But there's no actual conversation about death and it's part of life. Like eventually we all die. It's just a matter of time and how, you know? Yeah. And, I think we also just see, um, I've gone through some stuff in my life and I think when you're struggling with something, it's something to be fixed, right? Instead of right. something to be experienced. Right. And, um, that doesn't, point. that doesn't enable people to actually go through it a lot of times or makes them feel guilty for, uh, feeling what they're feeling. Right. No, I agree. That's a, that's a very good point. Um, so, but yeah, so I, I, I began to look at life differently and I, you know, when I moved back from London to New York at the time I was in a good place, but then after a while I started to go down that rabbit hole again. Um, and still dealing with grief and, and still just dealing with like memories and being too close to home and, you know, watching my parents deal with something like that. Um, and yeah, it was, I started, like I said, started going back down that rabbit hole and I saw myself being very unhappy and a big problem with that was that I wasn't happy in my job. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, right. I didn't want to do it. It was almost like too easy. I didn't feel challenged. Um, and I believe that we control 90% of our happiness or 95% of our happiness. And so, you know, I, one day I just, I got to the point that I was like, right, Jennifer, 
what are you going to do? You're going to sit here and, you know, bitch and moan. You're actually going to do something. And, uh, and yeah, so I started to create a plan and, and set my, my ducks in a row to, to eventually leave. Yeah. Was there a moment when you, that kind of came clear for you that you had to do something? Um, actually, you know, I think this is so important. I say this all the time. If you, if like, so I was at a point where I was like, right, I'm going to start making changes. And so I started like, I started going out less. Um, I started really like being mindful to my body, to my mind, like letting myself cry, letting myself deal with these emotions. And then I was like, I had set up a plan. Like I actually wrote down like, okay, on this day, if I don't do this, I'm buying a ticket. I need to do that. Like I actually had like a list of goals of what I wanted to accomplish. And then I, because I'm such a, like, I'm my own worst enemy. Like, I think we all are. I literally had a list of like, why this is a good idea and why this is a bad idea. <laughs> and, like, and like what the possibilities of like failure were like literally like an actual like pros and cons list right. of staying in New York, leaving, or even moving to another state or country and like working all those things. Um, but the thing was that it was something I felt like, I felt it like when I, when I thought it, when I actually closed my eyes and I thought of me like traveling and being alone and helping people, I could only, I, I, do, I would literally close my eyes and like see myself doing this and I would cry in happiness, in like tears of happiness. And you have to understand that like I was in a place where nothing in my life tasted good. Like I was thirsty for like the, like life, right. you know, and to have, even if it was like for one second, an imagination, like a fantasy of something that could possibly make me feel like I'm alive again after five years of feeling like absolute death. I was like, I got to do this. And I literally felt it in my bones. Um, and it was so scary. Like I would literally like, but I couldn't help but smile and laugh. Like there was no, no point whatsoever. Was there like a doubt of like, if I fail, there was, I definitely said to myself at one point, like if I fail, who cares? Like whatever. Right. I left with $14,000. So I was like, if I spend $14,000 in a year traveling the world, and all I gained from it was experiences. I think those experiences are going to be way, way worth more than $14,000. Right. Like, I am okay with that, you know? And um, way cheaper than grad school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so bad. I probably should have done that before going to grad school. <laughs> but you live and learn. <laughs> um, you pick a date. Um, I think you've told me before you started earning money, getting, yeah. um, focusing on your body, your mind, yeah. Um, yeah. walk me through leading up to, uh, the date when you decide to go and, uh, what, what that's feeling like at the time. Um, so I actually, the day was, and I don't know why I had picked this date, but I picked January 22nd. And I said to myself that if I didn't have a job in another state that I liked, um, that I was just going to buy a ticket and I was going to leave to travel. And if, you know, if I'm being really truthful to myself, the goal was to eventually like to just leave and travel and, you know, right. Make it work. Just go do something. Right. But I didn't, I felt like I would be a failure if I did that because nobody does that. Like who just quits their job to just travel and then maybe figure out how to make money along the way. You know, one of my best friends did that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. Nobody does that. You've got to be some type yeah, of yeah. crazy. And I've, you know, and I'm okay with that. Like, I think that's, I think sometimes you need a little bit of crazy to do certain things in life. Um, so yeah, it's it, January 22nd came around and I actually had an offer for a job in Denver. Oh no. And I love Denver. Yeah. And Denver was, but it was just the universe text, testing me for sure. <laughs> and I, I love Denver. And, um, you know, they were like, when, if you accept this offer, we'll, we'll move you in two weeks and blah, blah, blah. So everything was like happening and it was just, it was up to me. And I remember wow. like sitting in bed and like looking at myself and being like, you know what? That was almost too easy. I was like, screw it. I'm going to see if I can do this. Right. That would have been such the safe thing to do. I know because I know myself, I'd be there for like what, three or six months and I'd be happy. And then eventually I'd get back to the same thing. Like I don't want to be at a desk. I don't want to be, I want to kind of do my own thing. Um, and I want to create something, you know, uh, I kept saying to myself, I wanted to change the world. And I thought that like, every time I said it, I would laugh because I couldn't believe that those words are coming out of my mouth. Cause it was like, what the, what the fuck does that even mean? Right. Um, and, and I said no to the con, like literally wrote an email and said, you know, I, you know, gracefully declined the offer and thank you guys, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then I literally bought a ticket to London on my phone, like 20 minutes later. Um, for, fe for February 26th. So I was like, right, I've got a month I'm leaving. And that was like, now I got to tell everybody. 
because I didn't tell anybody what I was planning on doing wow. until after I booked the ticket. <laughs> not so, not a single person you had told that January twenty second date to. Um, my best friend knew had an idea of what I was like thinking about, but right. she thought I was just gonna. She thought I was gonna take that Denver job. She didn't think that I would actually just be like, wow. bye. So yeah. this was like a secret uh Yeah, mission. this was like an internal thing that I was like, I need to do this. And so I started to tell my family, which was definitely the hardest. Um, and they thought that I was crazy. Right. And, <laughs> and, uh, and they said, my dad was like, like, what's your plan? Like, what do you, what do you mean you're going to travel and write and, and take pictures? Like, you're not a photographer. Like what? <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, you know what, dad, I'm going to figure it out. And I remember like a week before I left, like I was having heart to heart with him and I'm really close to my dad and we're like outside on the deck and he's drinking scotch and I'm drinking bourbon. And he's looking at me and he was like, you know, I'm really proud of you. And I was like, thanks. And he's like, you know, but just be careful, you know, like be smart, keep your head, you know, keep your head out of the clouds, like try to keep your feet on the ground, you know? Right. And I said to him, I like started crying and I said to him, I said, dad, I, um, you know, I, I love you. Thank you. And I was like, I just want to know that, you know, if I'm wherever I am in the world and I pick up the phone and I tell you that I miss you or I love you guys, you guys are going to pick up and tell me the same thing. You're not going to be mad at me or disappointed because I've left a career behind, um, to pursue something that may or may not happen. Uh, and then he was like, what do you want to happen? And I said, to be honest, I have this idea, but I don't know if it's possible and I want to figure it out. And I said, you know, I kind of want to like, and I said to him, I want to change the world. And he like smiled at me and like patted me on the head. I was 25 <laughs> when I left. And I was like, I know, I know, I know. You're telling me keep your feet on the ground and your head, you know, below the clouds. Right. I got it, dad. And I said, but you'll see, you'll see. Um, and yeah, and you know, fast forward. I think that, I think my, I think my, my underlining purpose or mission is still there to change the world, but it's not like as, I don't want to say it's not as big because it definitely is as big. It's just not. I know that I can't change the world, but I can, if that makes sense. Right. It's not, yeah. it's, it's not as, uh, ambiguous. It sounds like you have more specific, uh, things driving right. you these days. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but yeah. And so, uh, and so yeah, I left in, in February of 2015, uh, started in Europe and then made my way to South America and then followed by Southeast Asia and then Australia. And I was in Australia for a while. I was in Australia for like eight months. I went to India in between. Um, and then, uh, where else did I go? Uh, Central and South America. Um, yeah, I've, I haven't really stopped. <laughs> I love it. So talk to me a little bit about your walk on El Camino de Santiago. Uh, that one. Uh, okay. So that was. That was what I first did as soon as I left. Um, that was definitely at the top of the list of my to-do list. Um, I wanted to walk that walk. Uh, and so I did. I did. So the Camino of Santiago, for those that don't know, is a pilgrimage. And it used to be a sacred walk. And now it's, you know, you can do it for whatever reasons. People still do it for religious reasons. Um, and some people do it for, like, self-development or whatever. Um, and I did it for personal reasons. I kind of wanted to just see if I could do it. Um, and the whole walk is 500 miles from the south of France to the north of Spain. And it's a walk. And we're not talking like a field walk with like concrete floors. We're talking like up and down mountains. Like you're right. trekking, you have your backpack. Um, uh, and it's very, a lot of it is like the analogy of life. Like if you have a heavy backpack, it's going to slow you down. Um, I started my, I did halfway. I did it from the middle of Spain, from Leon to the very end to Santiago. And I remember the day I started my back my backpack was like full and it was really heavy. And the guy, as I was staying at the, I was staying at a, at a convent for the night, the first night. And one of the volunteers was like, that's really heavy. And I was like, yeah. And then he's like, you need to get rid of stuff, but you're not even going to make it past Leon. And I was like, oh, and I was like, and I like started laughing and I, he's like, oh, I'll help you later. He got rid of like half my stuff and I ended up like donating everything. But come to show like two and a half weeks later, when I finished the walk, I literally had nothing. In my backpack, I had like toothbrush, an extra pair of socks, like an extra pair of pants, wow. um, and just like pajamas. Like I didn't because I was like, I what do I need the essentials? Um, that was definitely one of the most figure, physical and mental like 
rigorous things I've ever done. I think the biggest battle is like being in your head when you're walking alone in the middle of the mountains and you're like, why the, why the hell am I doing this? I've been up since eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm hungry. My feet hurt. Like it's not a vacation by no means, but, um, yeah, that definitely changed my life a hundred percent. And, um, I use that time to like really grow, uh, and kind of like create ideas and of what, where I wanted to go next and like the things I wanted to happen. And after I finished that walk, I remember feeling like if I did this, I can do anything. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, have you ever so done that? Have you ever done a walk? I have not done that walk. I was in Spain last year and met some people that were heading out on that walk. Nice. Um, but on the bucket list. Good. You definitely have to. What What were some of the most uh, profound moments in that first year that helped you kind of gain a better vision of where you were headed and what this has turned into? A big part of it was like just growing personally. Uh, obviously the Camino played a huge part, uh, internally, physically and mentally, but that was huge because like I said, after that, I like hit the ground running. Um, I started writing, I started really being more vulnerable and expressing myself, telling people about what I do. Um, and then I went to, when I went to South America, I went to Dominican Republic and I was volunteering at an orphanage. And that's when I started to see the um, water situation and how education is missing in, in a lot of these countries, like simple common sense, like sanitation and stuff like that. And then I really started to do research. But what was impactful was one of the days that I was there and I was volunteering and, and it was the day that they had running water and they could only take showers once a week. Mind you, you're in Dominican Republic. It's like 100 degrees out in the middle of May. Um, and so these kids were taking a shower with all together in like this big bucket, uh, that was the only like purified water, but from this water, they collected enough water for drinking for the rest of the week, for cooking for the rest of the week. Um, they had to like really prioritize everything. And they had a well, like a running well that was near the school, except that it was too close to the school and too above ground, which meant that, um, when people went to the bathroom, the well was now contaminated with feces and all that stuff. So the water that they were actually drinking was from that well, but it had been like processed and filtered and how contaminated it was. I have no idea. I'm pretty Jeez. sure that it wasn't that contaminated, that, that, um, that clean. Um, but yeah, that was like super mind blowing to me because I felt like, I mean, I didn't grow up in a bubble. My parents taught, you know, I, I think I, we grew up pretty like worldly per se, but I'd never, ever really seen that firsthand like that. And I was just like, I, what? Like it's 2015. How is like, how is this not like, and then I realized that it's really not common sense and what we think is common and what we take for granted really is what we take for granted. Um, but that was definitely like the starting point of like the wheel starting to turn about how I wanted to impact the world and how I wanted to help, or I call it playing my part. Um, I think that we're all here to play our part. And, um, and so that's what like initiated the whole water thing. Uh, and then I went to Indonesia and I, before I went to Indonesia, I found an organization called Ways for Water and I'm not affiliated with them. They're not, they don't sponsor me or anything like that, but they are a nonprofit that has like a GoFundMe page where you can utilize your audience to purchase these like water filters, these like small carbon filters. And then you as a traveler can take them to these countries and implement them in communities. But I mean, when I read that, I was like, Oh, this is great. This is like for a traveler like me. And it is, it is for a traveler like me. Cause I go to places and I spend weeks and months in a certain location. It's not like one or two days at a resort. Um, but I was like, Oh, this should be easy. And definitely not. When I went to Indonesia, which is like the first country I implemented these water filters, I had only planned to stay for two weeks and I ended up staying for a month because I had to find the right community leader. And then the community leader had to speak English. Um, and then we had to talk about these filters and I had to teach him. And then he had to go to his community and tell him that I was here to help. Like it was all these like social factors and things right. that you don't think of. Um, but it's true and it's how it works. And, and then, you know, there's certain days that you have to go into the camp because it's prayer and certain times. And then, you know, um, one of the biggest things about these filters is making sure that when you clean it, um, on a weekly basis, your hands are clean. And so, but these people don't have running clean water anyway. So how are they right. going to clean their hands? Wow. So I had to go and buy, you know, hand sanitizer and like, and I, and to be completely honest, and I, I say this, like, so each filter is for a hundred people for up to five years. 
And I've done it in over five countries. Estimated impact, 12,000 lives. Okay. Now, do I genuinely believe that I've impacted 12,000 lives? No. Because based on the certain circumstances and the living conditions and what like situations they were in, I don't think that a hundred percent these people are cleaning these filters with clean hands and all this stuff. Now, have I taught them something? Have I brought something that may have lowered those like contamination factors when drinking water? Yes. Um, and that, you know, I'm grateful for that, but it's, it's a growing process. And, and I think that that's what, that's like when I was in Dominican Republic, that's what started it. Um, and then when I went to Indonesia and then India, India was when I fell in love with what I was doing because I saw it in people's faces. Um, I actually like took a step back and I was like, holy shit, like this is real and this is my life. Yeah. And I think that that was when I was like, Oh my God. Um, and I continued to just like share and grow. And then, uh, I think one of the things that definitely ticked off my career was when I got published by Huffington post. Um, and yeah, but that was a good question. Yeah. I think that was the the first year was definitely like the Camino, uh, volunteering and yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, also sounds like you're just learning a ton of skills, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, so you're learning how to navigate social situations, solve problems out there in the real world. But yeah. um, you're also blogging, doing videos. I watched some of your early videos and then some of your <laughs> oh, recent <my> <laughs> some of your recent videos. But no, it was actually really impressive because I, I was thinking to myself, okay, Jen has developed some real valuable skills like video editing, <laughs> yeah. um, telling stories. Um, writing, all yeah. these things that um, just putting yourself out there and forcing yourself to uh, do things actually helps you uh, build Thank and grow you. things. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, it's been, a, it's been a tough journey. I, If it wasn't for Google and YouTube, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, it's I so helpful. I would not be this far. Yes, no, for sure. And that's why it's funny because I, you know, I get kids, I talk at universities and, and high schools and stuff and kids are like, oh, but like we have to go to school for that. And I'm like, honestly, not really. Like if you really want it that bad, just like pull up YouTube, pull up Google. Right. Like there are tons of courses and you just have to be willing to be vulnerable. Like, right. um, a lot of, I would, you know, message a lot of photographers when I was in countries and I would kind of be like, Hey, do you want to, excuse me, do you want to collaborate? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and I mean, it's very rare for somebody to say no. Granted, I did get no. Um, yeah, but it's very no, rare. So. Right. And that's, and that's okay. Like you have to be willing to like accept that and be like, right. Okay, fine. Next. <laughs> you know, like don't take no for an answer basically. Right. How, yeah. how are you thinking about risk now? I think so many people see risk as like basically oh. not doing what they're currently doing. Yeah. Uh, but I know that's been somewhat reframed for you. How are you thinking about it? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, so that's a great question. It's wait, what was the example I had used? So it was, um, it's, I would rather risk it than, you know, sit back. And this was like, so when I was making the decision to like actually quit my job and travel the world, I remember sitting at my desk and my desk overlooked the Empire State Building. And I was like, this is a beautiful view. Like, Not I'm bad. so grateful for this. But then I was like, could I sit here for another five years without thinking of where I could be, what I could be doing? And I think that for me was the the risk, right? That I would rather go lose it all. And like, by all, I mean like $14,000, which is not a lot of money. $14,000 have a great experience. Um, and not make it in the blogger world or influencer world, right? Rather than sit at that desk for another five years and wonder if I could or couldn't have made it. Um, wonder right. what my life would have been like, who I would have changed, if I would have changed, who I would have met, etc. So I think that that was, that's like my idea of, of risk. It's not, it's not, it's so, it's so much more of the moments that we gain versus the the financial i feel like when people think of risk they automatically think of finances right. yeah, and don't get me yeah don't get me so wrong true. i'm not rolling in dough but <laughs> <laughs> but you have internet points yeah yeah, <laughs> there, was <a> south, <laughs> yeah there was this south park episode that was like early internet and it was talking about all getting all these likes online and it was like How, well do you have money he's like no i have millions of internet points <laughs> yeah. yep millions of um, internet points yeah, that's fascinating that you say that, though. I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, freelancers, people who have taken leaps, and the, everyone has their own story, but that's actually something that's super common among them is that they actually don't think risk of losing what they have. They think think of risk in terms of having not tried. 
Exactly. Um, and that's, it's actually, I'm finding it fascinating how many people share that, uh, thread. So it's interesting to hear you have that as well. Um, it's, what's the, what's that word? Uh, it's grit, right? Like, right? Grit. You know what grit is, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like having grit. Um, so I don't necessarily think I'm the smartest person in the world. I just definitely think I work really hard at what I do. And it's the same thing with like learning how to do YouTube videos and, you know, photos and work Lightroom and, all those things. I did come from a marketing background, so I maybe had a greater advantage than most of my peers. But for the most part, like in terms of creating the content, that is definitely the hardest part. I mean, anybody will tell you, you can, you can negotiate left and right, but if the facts or the content or the product is not there, nothing will sell. You know, you can literally say that this is what I do, blah, blah, blah. But if it's actually not there, you're invaluable. And so I think that that was the the biggest thing for me is like not giving up because I was like, I want to learn this. I want to be able to tell a good story. Um, and as the years go by, you know, I get better and better and, and it's, it's all a learning process. I'm still learning. Um, a friend of mine who's, who edits for me on, you know, part time when I'm overloaded, he was telling me that I need to start learning premiere, which is another software, you know, there's two major ones, final cut and premiere. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you should really start learning about Premiere. And I looked at him and I was like, oh my God, I can't be bothered. I have to sit and like <laughs> watch YouTube videos for like seven days. And he was like, yeah, but it's really good. And I was looking at him and I was like, I know you're right, but damn it. <laughs> you know, like, why can't we just insert that knowledge into my brain? <laughs> well, good luck on that uh, yeah. <laughs> learning journey. What, yeah. what would you say? So you say you're a dream go-getter. Mm-hmm. What is your dream for the world right now? I know you also say like your mission is to create incredible possibilities of transformation for individuals on a global scale. I yeah. I love that line. But mm-hmm. talk to me about like what that what you're seeing um and how you want that to uh develop in the world in the next couple of years. I love that you asked that. Um I think that so we live in a generation where we're so focused on our phones, who's wearing what, what's looking at what um, what lipstick, what's trending, you know, what Kim Kardashian is wearing, whatever. Um, but there has to be a point of humanity where we have to start looking at each other and really start caring about each other. A lot of the things that are happening today are happening because we're not taking a step away from our phones and from our personal busy lives. And that's that's totally normal. Like it's okay to like not be worried about other people. You should be focused on yourself. But I think that there has to be a change or a shift in mindset of how we start to really care about our universe and the people around us in general. Um, I do believe global warming is real. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, even like I almost say like global warming in turn, like personally is real in the yeah. sense that like if we overutilize our resources, our personal resources, and we don't listen to our bodies, we're going to give out. And that's not just physical. That's hugely mental, you know, um, we are so, so into our, our, our stressful lives and not taking a look around and realizing what is out there and, and how we can help people, you know? And I, when I say I want it, I basically want people to look at me and think, wow, if she can do it, I can do it. And you can. Um, and I want to create more of a voice for impact, um, and social awareness. I want people to realize what's happening out there. There are people that are changing the world. There are companies, um, and they're not being, they're not being praised or like they're not being shown to the world as they should be. And I kind of want to be that voice for them. Um, there are companies that are really starting to change the world and take initiatives. Um, and you don't have to travel the world to do what I do. Like you can do it in your own backyard. You can go to your town and volunteer at a homeless shelter or, you know, put up a toy drive with your friends or take out all your clothes. Like there's different ways that you can use to get involved. And I know that it just involves you to make time. And I think that that's where the priority needs to start happening. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that I want, well, I don't think what I want my future to look like is to kind of be the, um, the voice for that generation of people to really start making moves and, and it being okay. You know, if you're nervous and you, you need a year, you need a sabbatical after college. <laughs> um, it's very common in Europe and it's not in the United States. Yeah. They make fun. When I was traveling in Europe last year, they were making fun of me as an American. They were like, you're allowed to leave for more than a week. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> they make, um, I can't tell you how often, and I have so many European friends and friends from all around the world, but they're, they're always taking the piss out of me. They're always like, Jen, where are you off to now? Because you're the only American that's not American. <laughs> I, was like, I 
I was like, guys, leave me alone. But yeah. And I just think that, um, I just, I, my, my wish for the world is that we'd start, um, just taking care of each other more. I love in it. In that sense. Yeah. Any one or two companies you want to highlight? Okay. Currently became an ambassador for a company in the UK. Um, they are called Storyteller and it is a B Corp company. Um, and so basically what that means is a percentage of their revenue goes to, um, a cause and their cause is education globally. So I have, so I actually, I recently posted about them. Um, and what they do is they sell travel accessories and share the profits and resources to volunteer to fund and run educational projects around the world. They work with other like collaborative charities, like the U, the, um, UNICEF, Barefoot College, Global Citizen, and Hope Foundation. And I actually, the CEO reached out to me via Instagram and, you know, we aligned in terms of branding and like the vision for, you know, the way we look at the future and how we want to share impact and all that stuff. And so I think that brand is amazing. They have, they sell t-shirts and keychains and they've got more coming down the pipeline. They're fairly new. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. And the other one are my friends at Global Tra- or World Travelers Association. Uh, my friend George and his girlfriend Marina uh, started a not-for-profit where they have traveled the world. Basically, George is like a nomad like me. I met Marina and they fell in love. But <laughs> he was traveling and volunteering, just kind of like how I was doing along the way, uh, and not doing, you know, social media, not doing anything about it, but then realized that he was having these amazing experiences and that he wanted to bring his friends and family to do the exact same thing. So he started creating trips around it and now they have trips all over the world. Um, I'm probably going with them at the end of the year to India. Uh, but, and they do like really amazing, amazing stuff right now. They're in Mexico and they're bringing a bunch of medical doctors and physical therapists to the Yucatan, um, to help teach, uh, people, doctors there, like their methods and kind of trade off and stuff. And I think that's amazing. Um, I, I would love to see more of that in the world. I'm very picky about companies that I work with, especially nonprofits, because I like to see results. I don't think that throwing money at a situation is going to fix it. I believe we need money to fix the situation because that's what runs the world. That is the currency that runs, you know, our planet. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I don't think that, throwing money at a situation is going to help. I think that we, my, my analogy is I'd rather go to a country, teach somebody how to build a home and then leave that way. When I walk away, they can build more homes because they live there. They know what's there. Um, and that's kind of the same thing with the water filters, you know, like I teach people how to clean the filters, but there's so many social factors to each of these countries that I go to. I love it. I will, uh, definitely highlight those companies. Thank you. Who have been some of your biggest influences, either from podcasts or books in the last year? Oh, that's a toughie. In the last year, um, oh my goodness, I will forever love Oprah. <laughs> Amen. She is my girl. One day, I'm going to meet her. Rock my, mark my words, we're going to be sipping coffee, and I'm going to take a selfie with Oprah. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. um, but I um. I'm trying to think. I'm a big fan of Jay Shetty. I don't know if you know who he is. He is a YouTuber and like Facebook influencer. He's, he calls himself an impact, um, win, wisdom influencer. And he talks about like, uh, mindfulness and, um, all these things that we don't talk about. And he's a great storyteller, like the way he puts these videos. Cause that's what he does. The majority of his stuff is video content. Um, is absolutely amazing. And I love his stuff. It's very inspirational. Um, Nas Daily, if you know who he is, another YouTuber, he does some pretty cool stuff. Um, in terms of books, I'm currently reading Grit. That's funny that we said that. Yeah, I'm currently reading yeah, by Grit. Angela Duckworth. Yes, and I re- like literally last night I started bought I bought the um by Simon I forgot his last name but Simon the Why Sinek. Yeah, Simon Sinek the Why like your Why or something like that. Yeah, he's fantastic. I love his yeah. stuff. So I'm excited to read that. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are some of the people that have influenced me. Um, you know, obviously a fan of Tim, ha- of Tim Ferriss, uh, Tony Robbins. Uh, yeah, I, you know, what's funny is I wish we had more women that do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, well, you have think, to be that person. I guess. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm like, <laughs> I think we're missing and I think it's an opportunity. So hopefully we'll do that. <laughs> but yeah, those are definitely some of the people that I really, um, 
admire. Fantastic. Where can people find more about you or what asks do you have for people? Um, well, they can find me on social media anywhere, anywhere they are. I'm pretty sure I'm there. <laughs> the Social Girl Traveler. Uh, my website is thesocialgirltraveler.com. Um, and my ask is that, you know, they reach out and give me a little wave. Um, let me know where they're from and how I can help them, how I can help them grow. I want to create a community of people that, that really care about each other. And to definitely watch out for some new stuff that's coming out soon. I'm awesome. excited. Yeah. We'll link up to that. Thank you so much for chatting today. It's been fun. Thanks, Paul, for having me. Thank you for listening to the podcast. This has been an incredibly fun experiment for me, and I'm loving talking to such incredible guests. I've received some awesome feedback, and I appreciate all the suggestions and just the praise. I'm kind of blown away. Uh, It's just so amazing to have such positive support. I hate asking for further support, but would love if you could share or recommend the podcast to one friend. If you are inclined to support more, I've actually set up a Patreon page, which I am experimenting with and potentially going to release some exclusive content and with the goal of building a community of people who are passionate of making sense of the future of work and enabling people to do work that matters to them. To learn more, you can check that out at bondlesspod.com. Again, thanks for the support. And if you have ideas, questions you want me to answer on a future Q&A podcast or just suggestions, would love to hear them all. Please email me at paul at think-boundless.com. Thanks for listening to the episode. I really appreciate the support and especially always love when people reach out letting me know what they think about the specific episodes. If you want to go deeper into Pathless Path World, you can, of course, check out my book. It's sold. It's going to hit 50,000 soon. I think by the time you're hearing this, it will probably have already sold 50,000, which is mind-blowing. But I continue all the support of people that buy and share the book. If you want to meet others on Pathless Paths, I have a community, which you can find at pathlesspath.com membership, and you can join and meet hundreds of others around the world trying to make sense of weird paths and meeting others along the way. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a good day.